Well, good evening. Good to see everybody that's here tonight. <laughs> Glad to have you with us there uh, on Facebook Live or on uh, on Twitter. You can find us at either one of those at HBC Tullahoma. You can find us on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, be sure there to, to retweet on Twitter, to be sure to give us the thumbs up, the hearts, the likes, uh, all of those things on Facebook and YouTube. If you've not subscribed, be sure to subscribe because that way you'll get that notification uh, automatically. And uh, also, if you need our phone live streaming number, you can call our church office. We'll be glad to do that for you. Or you can call our church office and we can add your number to that list. So hopefully everybody got added uh, to that tonight that needed that. <clears throat> and so uh, be sure to take advantage of all of those different resources that we have there. Uh, also, if you would go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com, uh, it's under the info tab there uh, that you'll find our prayer list for tonight. So be sure to go ahead and get that downloaded, uh, get a copy of it on your device or uh, print it off ever how you need to do that. Uh, and so uh, be sure to do that as well as um, you can download there under the info tab our worship bulletin for this week. It has a lot of the upcoming events. Uh, you've got your children's worship bulletin that's right underneath it, one for ages seven and up, one for ages three and up. If you need those in person, they're in the windowsill over here, so be sure to grab one of those. You can also send that link, as we've said before, uh, to anybody, uh, and you can share that with them. So be sure to do those things. If you want to share a prayer request with us, uh, you can do that. Uh, by going to Facebook. We'll see that during the service. Uh, if you can't get to Facebook or don't have Facebook, just give us a call at the church office or you can send us an email at highlandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com or highlandbaptistatcafes.net. Either one of those will work and get the email to us and we'll get your, uh, the person you want to request on the prayer list. Uh, also, while you're there on the church website, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. You can do your online giving. encourage you to take the time to do that. You can designate your giving there. Uh, also, especially uh, as we're emphasizing the golden offering for Tennessee Missions uh, called Do a New Thing, the prayer guide there. So hopefully uh, you've been watching those videos on Facebook and uh, listening to those prayer uh, guides in the evenings. Those go live at 5 o'clock. Uh, each day or around five o'clock uh, in the evening. Uh, those are excellent, so I encourage you to take an opportunity to listen to those and continue to pray for all of our Tennessee missions. Pray about what God would have you to give towards the golden offering for Tennessee missions. And then if you've not gotten us one of the connection cards, be sure to do that. You can lay it in the offering plate. You can put it in the box outside of Miss Amy's office. Uh, you can just get it to us some way, and that way we can get you added uh, to all those different call-out lists uh, that we have uh, and having your permission uh, to be able to do that. So be sure to get that back to us. If, you haven't, if you're on, online or watching from home uh, and you want to get on those lists, uh, just call the church office and we'll gather that information from you uh, over the phone. So thank you so much for being here tonight. Brother Mike, if you will, come and lead us. Take your hymnals and turn to 429, and we're going to sing one. We don't sing a whole lot, but uh, it's a neat song. It's a good message. All that thrills my soul, 429. Miss Pat. Oh, 
stuffed in thousands in my blessed Lord I see love of Christ so freely given grace of God beyond degree mercy higher than the Hopefully you had a time to get your prayer list uh, downloaded there. And so if you will, go ahead and take that out and take a look uh, at your prayer list. And we'll look if there's any updates that we need to make uh, to the list. Uh, of course, just want to remind you, we sent the call out yesterday uh, that Kay Fox's uh, surgery has been postponed uh, due to infection that she has. So uh, keep her uh, in your prayers as she goes through. Uh, that process and waiting to get the infection taken care of. Uh, be in prayer for Myra Watson. Uh, she's got some issues that are going on ongoing also. Be with uh, prayer for Brenda Gilbert uh, as well as Kim Saunders. Um, and then let me just go ahead and go through. Uh, sometimes our people who are listening uh, on the phone don't always 
I know those because I can't download them from the computer. So let me just go through the HBC family list uh, side at least, and we'll read those names so that you'll remember to be praying for them. SW and Carolyn Stone, and we've mentioned before that Carolyn has some diverticulitis, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, Charles Saunders, uh, he's improved tremendously, been here with us uh, several Sundays, and we just praise the Lord uh, for that. <coughs> um, still has some ongoing things with that, but we praise the Lord for that. Uh, Sandra Wells and Leanne, uh, they're doing better uh, from their uh, issue, their medical issues that we had them on here for, uh, but do continue to, to keep Sandra uh, in your prayers. Uh, remember Jim Hess and Traveling Mercies, uh, Vicki Boswell, she has several uh, issues that she has. Uh, Wanda Nichols, who has kidney issues. Bell Royton with her Bell's palsy. She's been here with us uh, for a while too since that, but we just continue to pray for her. Uh, Mike Durham, uh, Bill Warren, uh, who has COPD. Uh, Arthur Hargrove, who still has, he's here with us a lot, but uh, he has some things too that we need to uplift in prayer. Uh, Beverly Daniels, uh, want to continue to remember her uh, in your prayers. Anybody have any update on her? Okay, uh, Rosalie Moore, Gil Williams, uh, he's healing from his car wreck. Any updates? He's back at work. Uh, he's back at work, and so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, he's back at work, uh, still has a ways to go to get through that process, as Christopher did uh, also with his. Uh, Christopher had his uh, last Thursday. Uh, his visit with his orthopedic surgeon. Everything was great. Uh, she won't see him back until uh, the year anniversary and everything looks to be that it'll be fine and then she'll release him uh, from that. But we just praise the Lord for his healing of his uh, broken femur and then Gil with the several broken places that he had. Uh, Amy still wearing her boot, Amy Jackson uh, with her injured ankle. Kim Saunders, as we said, Brenda Gilbert, Myra Watson, Kay Fox, Cindy Jordan uh, has some issues also and then Susie Barton uh, we have her twice on here with the medical issues as all also she's at NHC Tullahoma so uh, keep her in your prayers and then Rita Fulcher she's uh, has cancer and she's going to be uh, starting her treatments uh, very soon so uh, keep her in your prayers with that and then our nursing home list is Mary Campbell Peggy Eggleston James Johnson and Susie Barton uh, we won't go through all the friends and family part. We'll, we'll go through those next Wednesday night. But just to remember a few at the bottom that we've added uh, to the list, uh, Marie Lee, uh, Maria Lee, who is the governor's wife uh, with lymphoma cancer, uh, Tim Forsyth, uh, who is the associate pastor at Trinity Baptist Manchester, uh, and then Steve, uh, maybe, 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 I think is what his last name, how you say it. It's spelt like that, maybe. Steve maybe who has uh, some cancer treatments and he's in Oklahoma, but we want to remember that. Uh, remember him in prayer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so the word is for those listening online, uh, he's having a hard time tolerating some of the treatments. So we do want to uplift him in prayer. Any others we need to add in here tonight? Or if you're online, be sure to comment there on Facebook, and we'll check and see if you've added anybody there.
Okay. And she is a teacher at, at Rock Creek. Okay. So this is a prayer request for a kindergarten teacher at Rock Creek by the name of Katie Pugh, who has lymphoma. So we want to uplift her uh, in our prayers too, as she gets ready to go through her, she's going through her treatments. And while we're waiting, anybody else have any? I will pull up. I meant to do this earlier and did not. So the word there was on Linda Ray, um, and uh, she's having a long, very slow, very slow, very slow uh, recovery. So um, this was uh, the request. I meant to share this with you. We'd asked, somebody had asked about this last week if we had any update on KJ, uh, Katie Jo Bailey. Uh, and this is the most recent one from September the 2nd. Uh, that says thank you all so much for your sweet notes encouragement helpful suggestions most of all prayers uh saturday she said scared me and i'm always grateful uh, when that fear is relieved by answers around the corner and god's peace uh, kj's friday uh, saturday feeling rough issue was lung related not ankle uh, so we're able to adjust her her oxygen to accommodate her feeling better and less sleepy her ankle's been swelling less since monday or that was since uh there before Memorial Day there uh, she's been or, or Labor Day sorry uh, she's been wearing her boot more frequently uh, her mom said I believe that's helped Tuesday was the MRI and we saw the doctor last night he said she has a stress fact fracture in the taller neck and that that is the middle bone of the ankle uh, he said it does not seem to be from decompression sites as they are all showing new bone growth and Katie Joe believes it's from getting on and off the PT machine where she felt, felt stress there during therapy. Uh, Dr. Murphy wants her to take a certain vitamin D supplement and give that four to six weeks to heal. He did say they could go ahead and proceed with hip surgery and KJ and her feel that the bones take too long to heal to pursue that yet. So they'll talk with that doctor, the hip doctor about scheduling that maybe sometime in October. So I just wanted to share that update with you from Katie Jo and her family. All right. I don't see any others there on Facebook, so uh, be sure to comment there if you uh, need to put those. We'll check again at the very end. But let's go ahead and go to the Lord uh, in prayer uh, tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your loving kindness. And we just thank you for hearing us and always being with us. Uh, Lord, we know that you love us by the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us and to forgive us of our sins. And that's what we come tonight first and foremost to do is to seek your forgiveness and your cleansing because we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you. And we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, answer from on high in a powerful way. Lord, we uplift each and every one of these that we've uh, mentioned tonight. We ask, Lord, for uh, your cleansing power in our lives and we ask for your cleansing power in their lives lord whatever uh, needs to happen in their lives we ask for your hand to be upon them lord touch them bring the healing they need uh, encourage them strengthen them let them know that you are walking with them through these difficult times uh, that they're going through and father i pray that you will use the 
these times that they're going through as they trust in you more and more each day to bring glory and honor to your name that it'll be a powerful witness uh, of who you are and, and, and your, your faithfulness and steadfastness even through uh, the midst of struggles and trials and tribulations. And Father, I just pray that you'll use these individuals uh, as a witness to those around them uh, of your saving grace and your mercy. And Lord, we pray that you would use us to be a witness also, to declare your praises. Lord, we thank you for the healings and the answers to prayer that you've already brought as we've shared even some, some good reports tonight. Uh, Father, we just ask that you will help us to continue to declare those things, to, to let others know about uh, your power and, and your, your precious uh, love for us and your care for us. And so, Father, we pray that you will uh, move in our hearts and our lives uh, to, to use us in your kingdom work. Help us to be faithful uh, even through adversity that we may be going through. And so, Lord, we ask your blessings upon each one of these individuals. You know the specifics of their needs uh, physically as well as emotionally and mentally, maybe financially or, or in family ways. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will have your hand upon them to answer all of their needs and to pour out your grace upon them because you've told us that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. So, Lord, we pray uh, that your will will be done in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, we ask for you to hear uh, our prayers tonight also because we do uh, lift our nation. Uh, Lord, we uplift uh, the things going on all around this world and ask, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored uh, in this world. And, and Lord, that you would uh, protect uh, those who are in the midst of adversity those whose lives are, are on the line, Lord, especially our missionaries and our soldiers uh, who are overseas and, and even around our nation. We ask, Lord, for your protection upon them. We ask, Lord, for your blessings upon our missionaries as they continue to share the gospel. And we ask, Lord, that you will open up opportunities and doors that maybe uh, they haven't even seen yet. And, Lord, we thank you for the reports that we're hearing all this week about the mission work going on across Tennessee. So we ask, Lord, for you to bless uh, the, the new church plants, uh, that you'll bless the evangelistic efforts uh, that are going on across our state. We ask that you'll bless the Baptist Collegiate Ministries uh, across our state. And we ask, Lord, that, that you will bless those compassion ministries that we'll learn about later this week. And we ask, God, that you will uh, just continue uh, to, to have your hand upon all of those missionaries to continue, Lord, the furtherance of the gospel, that souls will be saved, uh, that lives will be changed, and that the church will continue to go forth uh, in darkness. Lord, we pray that uh, you'll help us to be that light in the midst of the darkness and help us, Lord, to be salt in the world that creates a thirst. And Lord, I pray that we would see, even as we're studying through the book of Revelation, the urgency of that even more and more, especially as we get into chapter 16 here tonight. And so, Father, I ask your blessings upon your word tonight. May we experience the blessing, the threefold blessing you've given us at the beginning of the book of Revelation, that those who hear this word, those who read this word, and those who keep this word will each be blessed. And so, Father, I pray that we will be blessed tonight, that we'll see the application, and that we'll live in the truth of what we'll learn here in chapter 16. So have your hand upon us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to chapter 16. Revelation 16, and we are finally here at the ending, uh, getting into the ending, the beginning of the end, if you will, of the time of the tribulation. 
Uh, you'll notice there on your screens uh, the, the letters to the seven churches were the first parts that we went, read. Uh, we went through the seven seals uh, of God's judgment. We looked at the seven trumpets, and those were God's judgments also. And then we kind of had this little interlude piece uh, here where we've been talking about some, uh, we've kind of taken the view step back and looked at the whole picture, and now we're coming back down to the specifics as we enter into this last section of this, what you see on your slide right now, uh, the seven bowls. Now, there's still more to come uh, after that. As you'll see, uh, you still will have uh, the thousand-year reign of Christ. You'll still have the great white throne judgment. And then you'll have the new heaven and the new earth that we'll get to. But here in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 1 through verse 21, I've entitled this message, The Seven Bowls of Wrath the seven bowls of wrath. And so we're going to get through as much of this as we can. Uh, tonight here we'll be looking at verse 1 uh, down through verse 21 uh, through this chapter, and then that'll set the stage for the entire rest of this uh, book. So what we're going to see here is that there are five great days left in what we've been studying uh, on, of, of God's prophetic calendar which summarize the remaining chapters of the book of Revelation. In chapters 16, 17, and 18, we're going to see God's wrath released. The fury of God's wrath and the fire of his holiness are going to be felt uh, full force on the rebellious world that refuses to repent and to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In chapter 19, we see God's Son revealed, the second coming of Jesus in all of his glory and splendor, as we see that he's going to arrive on a white horse. He's going to come followed by a heavenly army, ready to do battle uh, with the hosts of hell. He's going to defeat them once and for all, and he's going to take his rightful place on the throne of this universe as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In chapter 20, you're going to see God's judgment rendered. Uh, Satan is bound for the thousand years. Uh, finally, he's cast into the lake of fire. The world is judged before God's great white throne. And then you're going to see in chapter 21, God's world renewed. And so that's kind of a brief outline, if you will, of what we're going to see uh, from here, chapter 16, all the way through chapter 21. Uh, you're going to, in chapter 21, you're going to see the new heaven, the new earth, uh, the new capital city, Jerusalem, where God's people will live forever. And then chapter 22, the final chapter, we're going to see God's kingdom restored. Uh, finally, after the rule and the reign of Satan on this earth, we're going to finally see him defeated completely. Christ is going to be enthroned supremely. Sin is going to be defeated, and man is going to be glorified. We, we see God in his heaven, and all is right in this world. But here, in chapter 16, we've got to get through chapter 16 in seeing God's last judgment. And that's what we see here in verse 1. Let's read verse 1 together. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. And that wrath of God is poured out upon this earth in these seven bowls of judgment. Now, you remember the number seven? What's the number seven mean? It means perfection. It means completion. 
And so uh, that's what we're seeing here is his complete, his perfect judgment. Uh, and, and with the pouring out of each bowl, you're going to see that the heat of the intensity of God's fury is going to intensify more and more with each bowl. The force of God's judgment is going to be magnified with each bowl. And so let's look at what those bowls bring. Here's the first that comes in verse 2, and that's the deadly sores. The deadly sores. Verse 2 says this. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. So what we find out here, and it's not that it's not been warned. They've been warned over and over. People have been warned beforehand that if they took this mark of the beast, that they would be eternally and severely punished and tormented, uh, that they wouldn't be able to rest day and night. And now this judgment comes to pass. I mean, think about it. What kind of rest can people have when they're tormented by giant, festering, painful, it's a gross description, but pus-filled sores that can't be healed? I mean, only those who have the mark of the beast are the ones who are affected. And the mark now becomes a malignancy. Before, you had to have the mark to be able to purchase, to be able to buy, to do anything uh, in, in any kind of economic way there. And, but now it becomes a curse, if you will. Uh, there on the right hands, a, a horrible, putrefying, incurable cancer. And there on the forehead would be a, an ugly, uh, malignant, disfiguring, agonizing, oozing appearance and, and pain. And through all of that agonizing and pain, people are reminded that the penalty uh, of the penalty that comes from rejecting God. Think about this. When Jesus came first, the first time we've been studying this in the, in the life of Jesus on Sundays, uh, we've been seeing how Jesus healed diseases. Now he comes to inflict diseases. This is God's curse on the sin of idolatry. Uh, and because only those who take the mark and who therefore worship the beast uh, worship the false God the, and reject the worship of the one true God, they're the only ones who are devastated with these sores. Uh, these malignancies, if you will, uh, are kind of like, uh, remember the plagues uh, in Egypt when the, when the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt? This is kind of like the sixth plague that God sent on the nation of Egypt. That plague consisted of boils, uh, blood, pus-filled, oozing sores that infected the whole body. Uh, I believe these sores are going to make the worst disease that we have today look like the chickenpox. Uh, the, these sores are going to represent a disease for which there is and will not be any physical cure. Uh, verse 11, uh, if you will jump down to it, uh, if I can find verse 11 here, I may have to skip around a little bit. Verse 11 says, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. We find in verse 11 that it tells us that the people will continue after a period of time. They'll continue blaspheming God because of their pain, because of their sores. I mean, think of it. Imagine having a disease and you go to the doctor and you see the doctor's got the same disease. And he comes to you and he says, there ain't any cure for this thing. 
They didn't need any help for us this time. Surgery can't take away the sores. Drugs can't remove the sores. Sedatives can't dull their pain. We have these deadly sores that are inflicted with this first bowl that is poured out. It only gets worse. We thought that was bad. Look at verse 3. In verse 3, you see the defiled sea. The defiled sea. There's the deadly sores. Then there's the defiled sea. And so if you remember at the sounding of the second trumpet, a third part of the sea became blood. That was back in Revelation 8, verse 8. But now all of the water is affected. Look at verse 3. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse. And every living thing died that was in the sea. Let that sink in for just a moment. Every living thing in the sea died. Every living creature dies. Could you just imagine the stench, the smell of, that, of those rotting corpses of fish and all kinds of animals uh, that are in the sea that are going to die worldwide? I mean, I know I've been sometimes uh, when hurricanes will come into the Gulf. I don't know if you've ever been down uh, that way after hurricanes have come in. You're driving across the bayous in Louisiana area, and, and lots of times it's, it's pulled fish in and pulled fish out, and fish have died in the waters. Uh, I remember with Hurricane Ike, we went down to do some uh, disaster relief work down there several years ago, and uh, the stench, the smell of all the dead fish as you're driving down Interstate 10 there, uh, and you could see the, the fish belly up in the water there, and uh, they died from all of that tossing and turning around and hitting uh, the, 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 the trees, uh, the, the, like the mangrove kind of trees in the water there, uh, and, and dying and just the smell. I couldn't imagine worldwide that smell. I mean, just imagine what it's going to be like for every creature in the sea to die. Imagine if all the seas in the world were to congeal like blood. Think about how that would affect the shipping industry. The shipping and the fishing and, the, and, and the, the maritime industries, all that would be stopped dead in its tracks. No more shrimp. Gosh. <laughs> no more lobster. <laughs> no more crabs. None of that. I mean, imagine every living creature in the ocean dying. Every whale. I mean, you've seen whales that have, that have beached themselves and died on the beach, and, and they're huge. And the stink and the smell of the, of, the dying, of the dead corpse there. Think about every whale, every shark, every dolphin, every barracuda, every octopus, every sea creature dying. Beaches filled with the corpses of dead fish. Imagine all the waterways, all the inlets. Uh, all around the world and, and even here in the United States, all the waterways, the harbors, the canals, the bays, the ports clogged with dead sea creatures floating on top of the water. Imagine what that would do to the world's food supply. Imagine what that would do to just one nation, like, like the nation of Japan, uh, who, whose main staple is fish. I mean, imagine what it would do to, to Captain D's or, or Red Lobster. Because the majority of this world is covered with water, with the oceans. The world is going to become a, a, a globe surrounded, if you will, with death. 
Now, when you read this, you need to understand also that as to whether or not this is literal uh, blood is, is hard to determine because the text states that the seas become like the blood of a corpse. But in either case, whether it's literal blood or whether it's not, we find that it is certainly a literal plague that affects the seas that all the creatures in the sea die. So whether it's blood or whether it's something else that looks like blood, um, it, it still causes this great plague. And, and that plague is extremely possible. I mean, think about this. You ever heard of, of the phenomenon that happens sometimes uh, on, on, the, uh, on the coast of Florida or off the coast of California known as red tide? Think about what red tide does. Red tide kills millions of fish and poisons people who eat any contaminated shellfish. They said this in a, in a study that I saw. Back in 1949, one of these red tides hit the coast of Florida. Uh, it, for the first, water, first the water turned yellow, they said. But by midsummer, it was filled with billions of little tiny one-celled organisms, and I probably will butcher this word, uh, called dinoflagellates. Uh, they are known more commonly to us as plankton. That's easier for us to, to understand. And so it's, like, it's plankton. So when these plankton multiply in great numbers, they pollute the water. Uh, they, and they turn it a reddish blood-like color. Eating fish that have been contaminated by the red tide can cause a, a potent nerve poison, which can easily kill a human being. And an unchecked population explosion of those toxic plankton would kill all the fish in the sea. And so it could be something like that. It could be literal blood. I mean, we just read about last week the, the, the battle uh, there at Armageddon. We're, we're kind of coming back in to focus in on what happens uh, in that time as we kind of were having the 30,000-foot view. Now we're coming down to the 2,000-foot view in these verses, and we're seeing what's leading up to this battle. And so we see all this that happens that defiles the sea. And then, and so as you read there in verse 4, uh, verse 4 says, The third angel poured out his bowl, where? In the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And then you read verse 5, and he says, And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, just are, just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve because of what they did in rejecting the blood of Jesus Christ that had been shed for their sins. So not only is the salt water affected, the third angel pours out his on the fresh water, so now the fresh water is affected. So now you've got animals and creatures in the fresh water uh, that could be dying also. And so we see the degraded streams, uh, as we'll see here in verse uh, 7. He says, and I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. And so the first time Jesus came, you remember what his first miracle was? He turned the water into wine. Now he turns the water into blood. But not only, as we said, is the salt water affected, now all the fresh water is affected. So lakes, rivers, streams are turned into blood. Imagine the world cut off 
from every supply and source of fresh water. Imagine turning your faucet on to get a drink of water and instead of a glass of water, you get a glass of blood or a blood-like substance. People would adopt, you know, literally kind of a, a vampire mentality, drink it just to quench their thirst. And now all of that may seem harsh to us and it may seem like cruel and unusual punishment. Some might even have a hard time reconciling what we're reading here with the love of God. But that objection is dealt with. Uh, notice first an angel speaks at, back in verse uh, 5 uh, there. Uh, back in verse 5 he says, And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was. For you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And so uh, the world is getting its just rewards because it shed the blood of saints. Remember that as we've already seen in the tribulation. Uh, they've scorned the blood of the Savior. And, and you know, oftentimes, I'm afraid we don't realize the seriousness uh, of, of the crime uh, that, that's committed when a person rejects the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Listen to how terrible that sin is described in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. This won't be on your screen, but you may want to jot this verse down to look at later. Hebrews 10, 29 tells us that first he rejects God's Son, those who reject uh, the those who uh, need receive this punishment. Verse 29 says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? Then he rejects God's sacrifice and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. And then he rejects God's spirit and has outraged the spirit of grace. That's Hebrews 10, verse 29. And so it's only fitting that the world drink the blood that they've shed and the blood that they have scorned. But also, notice, the altar speaks. Notice what verse 7 said. It didn't say an angel. It says the altar. So verse 7 says, And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. What is this altar? This altar refers to the brazen altar, the altar of judgment where the fires would burn with a ceaseless flame. And beneath this altar are the souls of those who've been slain for their faith. We read about that earlier in the book of Revelation. So the altar itself shouts, Amen! To the judgments of God. Yes, Lord, you're just in what you're doing. I know it. You see, in the government and plan of God, the punishment always fits the crime. Think about this. Pharaoh, what did he try to do to the Jewish little boys? Tried to drown them. He tried to drown them uh, in, in, the, in the River Nile. Uh, he tried to drown them, but it was his army that drowned in the Red Sea. You remember Haman? Haman, who wanted to kill all the Jews, Haman had planned to hang Mordecai on the gallows and, and to exterminate the Jews, but it was Haman himself who was hanged on the gallows and his family exterminated. I believe these verses are telling us something that we need to say loud and clear in a day when Jesus Christ it many times is being mocked, scorned, and ridiculed, that anyone who rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what their reason may be, no matter what the, how many excuses they may give, we deserve what we get. 
You've heard Galatians that tells us you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And so we see there uh, the degraded stream. Do we also see uh, the, the devastating sun? The devastating sun. So verse 8 tells us here's the fourth angel. The fourth angel poured out his bowl uh, on the sun. He poured out his bowl on the sun and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. Uh, verse 9 goes on to say, They were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Did you catch that in verse 9? Uh, they are cursing the only one who has power over these. The one who could stop them just like that. If they would just call out in repentance. If they would just call out and give him glory. See, notice what has happened here. God made the sun to shine on the evil as well as the good. But in the great tribulation, we're going to find out that he's going to use the sun to shine its intense heat upon the evil. And then with such an intensity and heat that many are going to wither and many are going to die. One day sinners are, are going to have to take the heat. But they won't be able to stand it. And, and what we're going to see there is that God turns up the thermostat uh, of the sun until the earth becomes literally almost like one giant furnace. Imagine how, how, how this heat will intensify all those rotting corpses of all those fish on the beaches and out there in the waters and out there in the rivers and out there in the lakes and in the streams. I mean, you think about that. They're out there baking in the midst of that sun. They already stink bad enough, and now it's going to intensify it even more uh, with, the, with the sun's intensity uh, upon those rotting corpses. Imagine how this heat is going to intensify those sores that are on their bodies. I mean, they've got these, bull, these bulls, these oozing, pussy, bloody sores, and now that heat is intensifying the pain that they're going through. Now, this could happen any number of ways. In its normal state, you think about it, that the sun pours out a continuous streams of rays uh, that race toward the earth at a peak speed of about 3 million miles an hour. The only reason why the earth isn't burned up is because we're surrounded by a field of radiation known as the, the magnetosphere, which protects us from the full exposure of those deadly rays. But scientists now know that this magnetic field has been reduced by over 15% since the year 16, 1670. And eventually, many believe that that protective atmosphere will disappear, leaving the earth at the mercy of the full heat of the sun. God could do it in that way. Another possibility uh, is what we know today as sunspots. You ever seen uh, specials about sunspots? You even hear it from time to time uh, in, in the news. From time to time, these bursts of flames explode from the surface of the earth, erupting these hot solar lava as far as even a million miles uh, from the sun. And those, those solar bursts project x-rays and radio waves and light waves and destructive high-energy protons towards the earth. And when those solar explosions happen, known as sunspots, take place, those magnetic storms occur on Earth earth that disrupt our communication systems. It can play havoc with, with computers and all kinds of uh, electronics. Uh, you could just imagine the havoc that that could happen that could happen on the earth with a gigantic sunspot or solar flare 
uh, that, that bursts out from the sun. And, and then again, scientists know that the basic core of the sun is made up of helium. As the sun continues to radiate, the helium core is becoming more massive, and so there's a corresponding increase in the temperature at the sun's center. In time, helium fusion will begin, which could result in an expansion of the sun until it becomes this one giant red fireball. And when that happens, that could literally reach, uh, the, the oceans could reach the boiling point temperatures Life could be scorched from the planet. But regardless of how God chooses to do it, it's going to happen. But amazingly, look again at verse 9. They cursed the name of God who had the power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The implication through every one of these bowls is that there's still a chance. There's still an opportunity. That's why we're being told that, that if they had repented, if they had brought glory to God, it would have been the end right there of their suffering and their pain. But we see they did not. They continued to curse God more and more. And that leads us to our fifth point, the darkened sinners. Darkened sinners. Notice what happens in verse 10, the fifth angel. The fifth angel pours out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. So this darkness that's spoken of here isn't just physical darkness, though I believe physical darkness is involved. Uh, the prophet Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2 and verse 1 through verse 2. This also is not on your screen, but you may want to write these verses down. Joel 2 verse 1 through 2. It says, blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. What day? That's what we're reading about here in Revelation. It is near a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. So it's not only a physical light here. It's a moral, uh, physical darkness. It's a moral darkness. It's an intellectual darkness. It's an emotional darkness. It's a spiritual darkness. Paul tells us in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through verse 13, that those of us who are saved have been qualified. We've been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. But then he goes on to tell us, that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the people who hated the light because they loved the darkness more than the light, now they're going to be immersed in a total spiritual darkness. And, and even though people are in such pain... They chew and they gnaw their tongues until their tongues are nothing but a bloody mess inside of their mouth. That's what verse 11 tells us there. These sinners, notice they would rather 
bite their tongues out than repent. Wow. They would rather fight than switch. You know, that reminds us of a great principle. If the love of God won't bring people to repentance, neither will the judgment of God. If the love of God won't bring people to repentance, neither will the judgment of God. Sometimes we think that people in hell are crying out for mercy, crying out to be saved. You know why people are, what people are doing? The Bible tells us over and over and over about hell that they are gnashing their teeth. That word gnashing refers to the snarl of a wild animal. Uh, people in hell are, are snarling and cursing God, still adamantly refusing to give God the glory that he deserves. The truth is this. If a person doesn't love God on earth, he won't love God in hell. Hell is a place of hateful, hardened sinners, sinners who are hateful to the Son of God, hardened to the grace of God, getting not only what they deserve, but also what they truly desired. They love the darkness. God says, here you go. You can have the fullness of darkness. Notice that that, that bowl was poured out on the throne of the beast also. And so we see there uh, that the, the, the beast, remember the, the, the political uh, leader there, and so it's, it's poured out upon him and his throne and his people are plunged into darkness. Then we come to the sixth bowl, which is the deceptive spirits, the deceptive spirits. And notice that the sixth angel in verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. He says, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. Verse 15 says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garment on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And then verse 16 says, And they assembled them at the place that in the Hebrew is called Armageddon, which is what we read about last week, uh, back in chapter 14 and the previous chapters uh, back before that. And so we see here these deceptive spirits. So as this sixth bowl of wrath is poured out on the river Euphrates, one of the greatest rivers uh, of this world, uh, is completely dried up. Now, what does that mean? Uh, whether it's something literal or something figurative, it's done for what purpose? So that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. The word east is a translation of two words in the Greek language, meaning the rising of the sun. These are literally kings who will come from the rising of the sun. That's a euphemism for the nations of the Orient, the nations of the Far East. All the nations represented by those kingdoms of the East are going to amass a great and mighty army that's going to assemble at the Valley of Armageddon to march on the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. Uh, so what is it that motivates them to do this? What is it that motivates them to do this? Well, look back to verse 13. Verse 13 says, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. And so again, you've got that picture there uh, of the counterfeit trinity, 
uh, of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, prophet which have been ruling the world. Uh, and, and they're going to belch out these evil spirits like like frogs, slimy, cold-blooded frogs who are, who, are gonna, who are gonna use these plagues to unite the armies of the east to battle against God and his people. Verse 14, uh, as you saw there, says, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great. So you see what they're doing. Uh, they're going, uh, these, these, uh, the image here of what we're seeing here are these individuals who are going to gather these nations to come to battle against God and his people. The last days are going to be a revival of spiritism, cults, demonic activity on an unprecedented scale. The world is going to be engulfed in a cloud of evil. Chapter 18 that we're going to look at later in eight, chapter 18 verse 2 it says and he called out with a mighty voice fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. Babylon in the Bible represents present, the present day countries of Iraq and Iran. And as you know, there's much that's happened over the last uh, decade in Iraq, uh, which is a stronghold of Islamic religion, and even in Iran. Uh, Islam is on the march all throughout those, those Middle Eastern areas there. Uh, it's a religion that even though it thinks that Jesus is a prophet, it hates him as God's son and God's savior. And Islam is on the march. But notice here we said these people from the Far East are coming. What is the Far East? China. Do you remember that we uh, talked about before uh, that it's a hundred million man army that's coming? There's only one nation of the Far East that could even possibly have that many people for a military might to come and, and gathered with other nations. That would be China. And so, uh, we, but yet we still see all of this other that's going on in our world too with Islam, uh, demonic worship. Uh, is, is even on the march today. Think about the tremendous religious change that's taken place over the, over the last decades in places even like Great Britain, the places where, where Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, was, where the pilgrims came from, the Puritans, and where much of our spiritual heritage can be found. It's amazing in Great Britain that only 1.5 million uh, of the 20, some 22 million baptized Anglicans regularly practice their faith. But in contrast to that, the explosion of Islam in Great Britain is exploding. We see that already in the United States. In 1960, there were fewer than 12 mosques in that country. Today, there are well more than a million faithful Muslims who worship in over 300 mosques in Great Britain now. Muslims now outnumber Methodists and Baptists combined. But here's another thing. During that same period of time, Satanists have more than doubled. Great Britain is a microcosm of the world in the last days when the world's religion will be a false religion, when all religion will be Antichrist with a capital A, whose fire is fueled by hatred for the people of God. And so the stage will be set, the table will be prepared, the time will be right for the return of Jesus Christ who issues, issues a reminder and a warning uh, that we saw there in verse 15. He says, behold, I am coming 
like a thief. So you better be prepared. And then verse 16 that says, And they assembled at the place in Hebrew that is called Armageddon. The world is going to be asleep at the wheel, but it's going to come to a crashing halt when it meets Jesus face to face at Armageddon. Here's another important thing to know about Armageddon. Armageddon in Revelation is a counterpart or a counterfeit, if you will, or a counterpart to Mount Calvary. Calvary is where the lamb spilled his blood, but Armageddon it will be where the beast will spill his blood. And then notice the last uh, of these bowls, the destructive storms in verse 17. Verse 17 says, And in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. Well, actually, let's go back. Uh, we'll go back, if you will, and we'll read uh, verse 15. We'll start back with verse 15 there. Uh, actually, I'm in the wrong chapter. <laughs> Flipped over too far. Yes, yes, verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, what did he say? It is done. Where you heard something similar to that before? It is finished. Jesus on the cross. And then we see in verse 18 that it says, And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine of the fury of his wrath. Verse 20, and every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And then verse 21, and great hailstones about 100 pounds each. You just couldn't imagine that. Hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hell because the plague was so severe. That, that last battle cry, as we said, it is done, signals the last judgment of God. 2,000 years ago, Jesus cried those similar words on the cross, it is finished. And at that time, he was bearing the judgment of man's sins. But the next time he makes this cry is going to be the judgment, it'll be for the judgment of man's sins. The first cry was for redemption. This is a cry of retribution. God is going to give the earth one last shaking that we saw there in verse 18, this great earthquake. I mean, think about it. Any of you remember the great earthquake that hit San Francisco back in 1989? It was devastating. Or you think about the earthquake and tsunamis that hit Indonesia in 2004 or in Japan in 2011. And the tremendous devastation and destruction that took place in just a few minutes. Well, if you took all of those earthquakes that ever occurred in human history and you put them all together, they wouldn't even compare to this last one earthquake. Why? Because this is going to shake the entire world, not just one location on the world, but the entire world. And the results of that earthquake are what we see there in verse 19 and verse 20. Gigantic mountains are going to be leveled pancake flat. Entire islands are simply going to disappear from the face of the earth. The entire topography of the world is going to be changed in an instant. Places like Paris and London and New York and Tokyo and Los Angeles and Moscow and many other places are going to be reduced to rubble just like that in the blink of an eye. Almost like icing on the cake, though, we read in verse 21 there uh, that uh, these great hailstones uh, happen here. Just imagine the destruction 
that that would cause of a hundred pound piece of hail, piece of ice falling out of the sky, hurling down, destroying buildings, killing people, leveling houses, coating the earth. You wouldn't be safe anywhere. This, with this last bowl being poured out, the mighty prophecy of Isaiah that Isaiah gave in Isaiah 24, 19 through 20, he said, the earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it, and it falls and will not rise Think about it in this way. Today the world sits on a wall, but one day the world will have a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men can never put it back together again. The message of this chapter is plain and clear. Jesus is coming. And because Jesus is coming, judgment is coming. Because Jesus is the judge. But here's the good news. You can settle all that for you if you settle your case out of court, if you would just meet with the judge in his chambers called Calvary, you get a free pardon, you get a permanent stay of execution, you're declared innocent of all charges against you now and forevermore, the choice is ours. Don't wait until it's too late. As a believer, don't wait until it's too late to tell others the good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are and for the many blessings that you've given to us. Father, we thank you for this passage even tonight. As, as terrible as the descriptions are of these bowls that are being poured out, Lord, I pray that we will get the picture. Jesus is coming again, and when he comes, it will not be about grace and mercy. It will be about judgment. So, Father, we know that day is pressing forward ever closer, ever quicker. So help us, Lord, to be faithful as believers, to share with people around us before that day comes or before we draw our last dying breath, to be as faithful as we can till that day. But, Father, I pray for those who may be listening, who may be watching, who have never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. May today be the day of salvation for them. May they call out before it's too late and ask Jesus to save them from their sin. Lord, bless us as we continue pressing forward and moving forward ever so closer to this day. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to the very end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there online. I uh, hope you've enjoyed tonight's message there, even though, it's, as we said, as, t as terrible as the things we've seen there in the passage. Uh, you come back and join with us this coming Sunday. We'll be back in the life of Jesus uh, on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then uh, Wednesday night, next Wednesday night, we'll be back in the book of Revelation again. So you come and join us. We'll see you Sunday at 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Come and join us in person if you can. If not, we'll see you here online. You have a blessed week and you stay safe.